morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Trick Podcast of Joy and Gozo TV on this beautiful Wednesday morning, June 17, 8 a.m. here Pacific in the LA area, Long Beach, California. Welcome back to my channel. Welcome back to this beautiful episode. How are you? Leave me a comment below. Tell me how you are. If you're watching me on Twitch, welcome. I love Twitch. One of my favorite platforms. If you're watching me on YouTube, that's mostly where I spend a lot of my time. And I encourage um, everyone to watch me on YouTube because YouTube is the platform where they are more supportive, I guess. Is that a, maybe the, the right way to put it? Of long form video content. Facebook usually doesn't show uh, videos that are long to a lot of people. And so that's why we normally have a very low view count, only a one or maybe zero or two. So I encourage you to uh, go to YouTube. That's where long form content, which is what I produce, is encouraged. And so if you're watching me on YouTube, thank you. Make sure that you subscribe to my channel. We have, I think, 280 or so subs. Let's get it up to maybe 500 here over the next few weeks so that we can get this message of joy to more people. Hit that bell notification, subscribe to my channel, leave me a comment. If you're watching me on Instagram Live, another uh, platform that sometimes also doesn't like long-term form, but uh, I'm there as well, so thank you for being here. If you're listening to the audio, that's maybe the second best way to, to uh, receive this, this content. Podcasts also encourage long form. So, and also it, the, when you're listening to a podcast, you're more in a calm place, you know, Facebook and Instagram is more about like just scrolling through a million pictures and people get antsy if anything takes more than 10 seconds in terms of video. So I encourage you to subscribe to my podcast. That is the best way to really enjoy and take time for yourself to sync deeply into the things that we talk about here on Gozo TV. And you can just go to davidtrig.com and click on the uh, button that says podcast, davidtrig.com, and you can then subscribe to my podcast and listen to the audio, which is very high quality and good microphones and all the rest. If you're watching me on Periscope, thank you. Periscope does support and really uh, encourages long-form content. So thank you, Periscope Twitter people. Make sure that you share this broadcast with your followers. But wherever you're watching me, thank you for taking the time to... Uh, to really quiet yourself. I know it's very difficult, especially as I say in, on Facebook, to uh, to listen to something that is that is longer than just a few seconds, just because of the nature of the platform and uh, kind of the mindset that we're in when we're on Facebook. So thank you for your time. Um, most of my uh, content is an hour long, so uh, that's why, as I always say, I encourage you to either to uh, come back when you are at a more quiet place in your day or to go to the podcast or to YouTube and um, truly uh, let these words sink into your soul, let them transform you. Uh, I don't do funny things or I don't you know, try to like, you know, go crazy or be uh, quote entertaining. I do have those fun moments and you've seen me wear the hats and things. So I definitely like to have fun. But my point with all this little intro here is it's just uh, what platform to choose to truly allow you. It's just not really for me to have more followers. I mean, I like that because I, I do believe that people need to hear this content, but I'm just kind of helping you understand more of the mindset of each platform. But 
wherever you are. Thank you for being here. So today talking about, uh, well, let me first introduce kind of what I'm doing and why I'm doing this, these daily devotions. You may think, well, of course, you know, you're a spiritual leader. No, it's it's not about even being a religious man or a pastor or anything. It really is more about a discipline for my own mind. As you can imagine, these days there's so much to do. And I've learned a lot about personality. And as you know, I like to merge both science and faith and to really find uh the uh, the union between neuroscience especially and how the mind works and how our bodies respond to trauma stress to all that with faith and so one of the things that i've learned about myself is that i have to like all of us center my mind on the right things for me first thing in the morning sometimes i've tried it in the evenings afternoon and i think really as the bible says it's important to center our minds on god at all times but you have to know yourself right when do you tend to elevate your spirit uh, towards stress well, I mean, in other words when do you tend to worry the most and and from all that i've read in terms of neuroscience and studies of the mind and the brain it happens normally right at as soon as we we wake up really a lot of it happens at night depending on kind of what's the last thing that you thought about going to bed and that's why you know the bible says that in the morning i will lift up my soul to you also it says i think it's in psalm 8 or 5 excuse me both that in the evening i will meditate upon your word my point is that neuroscience has shown that our dreams are very important that our rest is very important and these days with all that's happening our sleeping and eating patterns are all upside down and so all that to say is that this is a personal discipline for me to because i whatever i think about first it's what remains with me all day i am disciplining my mind to start with with uh, spiritual content that will fill my life otherwise i know where my mind will go it'll go towards planning and towards action towards doing a million things and as as i've discussed before i study neuroscience and um, the mind and i know that as a type three as some of us recall there are nine types and we can discuss the enneagram at another point I know that my mind goes to doing mode, achieving mode, and not achieving as in I want to, I don't know, help somebody. I mean, that's a different thing, but more achieving because otherwise I won't be worthy of love. And so these are now, I don't, I don't want to, in this video, uh, explain too much about the neuroscience or the, uh, the mind aspect of why we do what we do by the way for that speaking of my podcast you can go to my podcast and i have different trainings on this combination of the soul and the spirit the mind and the spirit as well as on my youtube channel there's a whole playlist on this so you can check that out all to say that this is a a discipline that i am starting just this week in terms of in these very uh transitional times 
these times of opportunity and of um, and of transition and of waking up, I am waking up to the fact that it's not enough just to be quote a person of faith or to quote have some QT quiet time. You know all those things that we grew up with, which I think are wonderful, but we have to go to a deeper place because if all that stuff isn't working for you or you're not practicing it or it's like exercise if if your your body isn't really in shape then you have to adapt your exercises your disciplines and so this is my way to do that and and now obviously for you my intent is that you will also come along this journey with me to center your life around spiritual content around depth around contemplation so this is not a bible study this is not a a sermon this is not even teaching uh, this is more of walking with jesus in light of who we are in our real life stresses and anxieties and, and frustrations so i take into account as i said neuroscience medicine i take into account uh, chemistry your body trauma that you've experienced the very real things that keep us from being people of joy or being people of grace that keep us bound to the same bad habits that we, we're, we've been struggling for for years whether it's frustration or anger or fear or or giving into uh, maybe into envy or pride and so my desire is to because these are all the real things of life mine and all this all those that i love my desire is to walk with you in this journey as long as it takes i mean really it's uh, i would say if i can i would love to do this the rest of this year and uh, you know they said that this is 2020 vision right this year and uh, i love the hymn you know by uh, uh, Crosby, be thou my vision, O Lord. And so really, we have to wake up to the fact that we have been blind, that just because you're a Christian and go to church, I mean, as I said, look at where we've been for the last 20, 30 years as people of faith and some of the hangups and the, the different problems that we hide, that we hide from ourselves, most of all, anger, frustration, lust, envy, pride, uh, wanting to entertain ourselves, consumerism, materialism, obviously racism, hate, uh, all of the things that are so in front of us right now. And uh, it would be naive for us to just to kind of say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm good. <laughs> I mean, uh, we are still in this body that has memory and that unfortunately loves to do the wrong things and to tell itself that you're okay and so this is the kind of depth of content and really um, just of honesty and vulnerability and of guidance that i provide through the holy spirit through um through being awake really it's really 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 what it comes down to so in in these in these moments uh, we're going to talk about racism and about uh, anger and frustration and trauma and about um, lust and envy and pride and not as in judging or don't do it or don't be anxious and quoting you a bunch of verses that make you feel guilty because who can 
who can reach these heights, right? But in, a, as I said, in a union between science and spirit, spirituality and faith, in, in a union between the things that really confront us, the real issues of fear and anxiety and anger and frustration and shame and, and feelings of not being worthy, the habits, the unconscious motivations that we carry, the, the uh, as I said, the, um, as I call it, spiritual bypassing that happens to us as people of faith, meaning, oh, I'm good, you know, I, I don't deal with that. And, um, and again, this is not to shame. This is just simply my own process of waking up to, to not like to beat myself up because, of course, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Of course, so we're not living in shame or in guilt. So this is not where I'm at. In fact, I've never felt more free and truly forgiven and truly understanding the grace of Jesus. But as uh, I think it was Dr. I think his name is James. James Mark, I believe his name is, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. And yet, the church uh, has been in such trauma for 50 years. Politically, you know, you look at white evangelical churches and how there's so much division and, and, and so many problems there. And, and instead of saying, well, let's not talk about that, or oh, yeah, let's just worship Jesus. I mean, we are facing a very uh, unique time, a time to wake up to ourselves, not to what's wrong with everyone else, nor to blame, oh, I'm so terrible. Neither of that, neither of those is really where happiness lies. The true goal is to be content, is to find this beautiful place that is not consuming or needing to use some of the the tools that we often use to to get love, whether it is you help everyone to get love, or whether you achieve a lot to get love, or whether you want to be free and not experience pain to protect yourself from pain, whatever habit or, as I said, unconscious motivation lies within you that you may not even be aware of. But guess what? <laughs> your husband, your children, those that you love are truly aware. They just don't tell you. And uh, this is the path that I've been on now for 20 years of self-discovery, this combination, as I said, of science. And uh, and I guess let me say one more thing. If, if this triggers you, if this is something that you're judging because, oh, this is, then uh, then just learn more about it. You know, uh, this is not about you or anyone trying to find out what's really going on. This is simply about being a human being, not a human doer. And so, no judgment here. If if uh, if this stuff isn't uh, something that you are ready to receive, then that's okay. You can um, just find something that does help you. But as I said, as a man of faith, committed to my faith since birth in many ways, I've been waking up to these things for the last 20 years. A lot of it has been through understanding my own pathology, my own brokenness, not in like sin and death alone. That, that's ultimately, of course, what it deals with, but in a more rudimentary, kind of in a more pedestrian way, meaning envy, pride, ego, bad habits. I mean, the Bible calls them the seven deadly sins. But 
not, as I said, spiritual bypassing that stuff. Like, I'm covered by the blood, brother. Okay, but why do you still run away every time someone talks about race? Why do you get so enraged when someone cuts you off in traffic? It's We're talking about, as I said, the real stuff of life that that we're st the places where we're stuck the places where we're stuck if you don't feel stuck then as i said you know then maybe this isn't the right uh content for you if you feel like you're you know on your way to heaven and, and you are already there then really i honestly say this it might be that you're at a higher place than i am where i'm at in these last 20 years is trying to not be stuck doing the same old thing, the same bad habits. And we're not talking about just drinking and womanizing and stealing. That's where, again, you know, us in the religious circles, we go to those horrible things that, okay, I can distance myself from that. We're talking about the day-to-day -day stuff. Those moments where we give in to uh, the, the, the lower part of who we are. And as I said, a lot of that is unconscious and hidden from our own hearts. That's why I love the Bible. I mean, I love the Bible. I love the verse. I love the Bible, of course. I love the verse, Psalm 139, or the passage where it says, search me. There's a contemplative practice that I've practiced much or often. It's called examine. Um, not to examine, but examine with an E in at the end. My point is that these practices, they're very difficult because it is asking God, not self, to search me, O oh Lord. I think an easier way to put it is just ask your husband, <laughs> just ask your wife <laughs> to examine you and to tell you the truth. That's how you'll really, hello everybody. Uh, if you would, uh, on the Facebook page, leave me your name, only because on the software that I use, it doesn't put the name of the person. Um, it just says Facebook user, but good morning, greetings, thank you for being here. As I was saying, uh, the content that I provide is long form. And so if uh, you're in a rush, if you only have a few minutes, I understand. Thank you for being here. As I said, uh, I encourage all of my viewers to go to my YouTube page or to my podcast because hello, Anne, good morning. Thank you for being here. Because uh, Facebook, you know, just, I mean, thank you for being here on Facebook. It's wonderful. My point is Facebook mindset is, you know, scroll, 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 fast, 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 and furious. You know, it's like not a lot of patient mindset in Facebook because the platform is not built for patience. It's built for speed and for ads. And literally the Facebook algorithm doesn't encourage long form content such as mine. That's why I only have one person or, you know, just two, maybe one, zero, you know, because the Facebook algorithm, which is from Satan, I'm convinced, only encourages short, snappy content so that you can keep scrolling and see more ads. I mean, that's the, the, the science behind uh, Facebook. Same goes for uh, Instagram. And even though I am on all those platforms, if you really want to just calm your mind down and truly engage with this content, first, uh, find yourself uh, a time and space where you have an hour to uh to dig deep into this stuff that we're talking about and as i said i encourage you to especially just to kind of change a little bit of your habits to go to youtube or to my podcast because when you and maybe you're not into those platforms and and that's part of the the, the thing with these platforms 
YouTube, by its very nature, when you're in that mindset, you're there to watch something for a long time. It's like going to Netflix, right? You know, you're going to watch something for two hours. So same thing with podcasting. But anyway, all that's to say, thank you for being here. Wherever you're watching, Facebook, doesn't matter. Thank you for being here. And um, if you uh, can uh, be here with us for the whole hour, then wonderful. You know, just uh, I guess one more thing on that whole thing. Joe Rogan, maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you don't know who he is. He uh, he has podcasts that are three hour, three hours long. He has 3.1 million subscribers, not on Facebook because, I mean, no one would watch three hours. I mean, as I said, people hardly watch 10 seconds on Facebook of, of content. It's just the platform. But on YouTube and his podcast, so audio and YouTube, it's the same podcast, but obviously video. Three hours each episode, daily content, has hundreds and thousands of views. He just, uh, hello, Anne. At the same time, I'm trying to, um, I just uh, was going through kind of the whole purpose of this content here today. But basically, I'm trying to do this every morning at 8 a.m. So, yes. But I, I must say, even that is part of my, my sacrifice, my discipline. I'm up at 6 a.m., but sometimes I'll just go and, and start doing a million things. I just maybe if you if you would go back to the beginning of this video, I, I talked about kind of my whole habits and trying to break these habits. But yes, I'm trying to do 8 a.m. And then also in the evenings as well, maybe like around 6, 7 p.m., just to kind of um, continue to provide value and content to you, my friends. So today's meditation oh i guess maybe i said it so my podcast normally lasts um oh thank you and not a problem and again remember these are all recorded quote unquote so you can watch this at any time this is just the live version so literally i'm here live right now like you know hello <laughs> and uh, but of course i mean this content is is it lasts and that's why again not to harp on it the podcast and youtube I love those platforms because they're easy. It's easy to find these these videos after the fact. Whereas on Facebook, it's like good luck trying to find that one video from eight a.m. or five p.m. It's 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 not built for for this kind of stuff. But um, you can you can do it. You can just go to my profile or my page. Maybe you're watching me on my personal profile. That's even less likely to to appear on your feed because again, Facebook hates long term long content long form content on its platform because people are just stuck and they're not scrolling through all the ads and then the, the mindset of people also is more like you know hyper kind of active but you can do it go to my my page my public page it's just my name and i'm actually you know that i think the little icon is me on a microphone and i think it's called my name live and there it might be a little easier to find the videos because um I think I mostly just post videos on there. <laughs> but as I said, wherever you are, thank you for being here. Anyway, anyway, enough of the commercial. So today's meditation is about Thomas Merton. So let me, I guess, a second point of introduction. Excuse all, all the introductory stuff. But because I'm starting something that isn't common to most people, that's why I'm explaining it. So this is not a, a sermon. This is not a Bible study. 
Uh, this is not like, uh, here's what I think about this passage. I do all that stuff. That's my sermons on Sundays. I do teachings throughout the week. But these contemplation or contemplative practices are meant to slow us down. And so it's, as I said, long form. And they're also readings from basically saints of the faith, men and women who have been with God and, and who have sat with the Holy Spirit for 80 years, for a lifetime. And now we are so lucky and blessed to be able to learn from these authors and these giants of uh, the faith. You may not have heard of most of these because um, in the quote evangelical church, these um, practices aren't practiced because we're mostly used to quick and fast, furious, funny sermons with a passionate, you know, loud kind of thing, which I'm, I'm fine with that. I think we unfortunately live in an entertainment culture, but um, this is kind of the anathema, I guess you can call it that, or the antidote maybe, or the antonym maybe is a better word for that kind of mindset which puts us in a in a i need more kind of place and doesn't allow for much contemplation so this is long form it's it's it has of course scripture and of course it has spiritual practices but it also has a lot of reading i don't mean that you're going to read anything it's just readings maybe is a better term and so let's get into it and you'll hear what I'm talking about. So the book that I use, of course, the Bible. And then second is a devotional classics, which is a book that I bought back in 2009. So 11 years ago, 12 years ago or so. And has been, uh, this is a 20 year journey that I've been on to slow my mind down, to sink deeply into the presence of, of Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in these uh, turbulent times. So Thomas Merton, Ways of Meditation. This is an introduction to the author. Born in Prades, France, Thomas Merton, born in 1915 to 1968, had a trying and painful childhood. His mother died when he was six. Have you heard of Thomas Merton? Leave me a comment, just put a yes, a one, or if you haven't, then we're going to learn about Thomas Merton today. So again, he had a child, a very challenging and painful childhood. His mother died when he was six. And his father, an artist who moved from place to place, often, <coughs> excuse me, leaving young Thomas unattended, died when he was 15. In his teens and early 20s, Merton led a prodigal, sensual life in his search for fulfillment. In his mid-20s, Merton experienced a profound conversion while attending Columbia University and he joined the Roman Catholic Church. At the age of 26, he entered Gethsemane Abbey in Kentucky, where he would live the rest of his life as a Trappist monk. In 1948, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> he published The Seven Stony Mountain, no, excuse me, Story, <laughs> The Seven Story Mountain, an autobiography that mirrored the spiritual climate of the times. It quickly became an international bestseller. Merton went on to write many more books that made a significant impact on the face of Western spirituality. Known for his journal writing, meditations, and social critique, Merton continues to influence the spirituality of our times in many ways. 
Some criticize his attempts to bridge the gap between Eastern and Western spirituality, but he never surrendered <coughs> excuse me, his belief in the importance of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In the same vein, Merton also held a delicate balance between the inner and the outer life, contemplation and action. Because of this, he was able to give to have an influence not only in the church, but in the secular world as well. His accidental death in 1968 was a tragic loss, yet Merton continues to inspire countless men and women. The following excerpts come from a little book he wrote for fellow monks, but it contains priceless wisdom for all Christians who long to go deeper in the spiritual life. So the way this particular tool is is organized is first it has an introduction, then it has excerpts from different books that the author has written, and then it has, of course, a, uh, a guiding Bible selection from the scriptures, of course, some reflection, exercises, more reflections, going deeper. So I'll just pick a few things here, and, and one of the things that I like doing is if something kind of uh, just jumps out at me, then I will expound on it, meditate on it for maybe uh, the rest of the show or depending on kind of what God does. So this excerpt is from a book that he wrote called Contemplative Prayer. So if you are someone who uh, finds that your prayers are rushed or desperate, which of course God hears and God, of course, is always looking for honesty. <clears throat> but if you struggle with pace with sitting with the presence of god i mean who doesn't okay so obviously we all do then this is for you this is a practice and, and teachings that help us to experience and to practice contemplative what does contemplative mean it means restful it means peaceful it means to sit with contemplate it means to look at something to stare at something for a long time so contemplative prayer is not like anything that we've been taught it's uh, something that we have to learn how to do and that especially as i said these days we need desperately so let me read a few excerpts here number three this is called mere goodwill <clears throat> right away we confront one of the problems of the life of prayer that of learning when one's efforts are enlightened and well-directed and when they spring simply from our confused whims and our immature desires. It would be a mistake to suppose that mere goodwill is, by itself, a sufficient guarantee that all our efforts will finally attain to a good result. Serious mistakes can be made even with the greatest goodwill. Certain temptations and delusions are to be regarded as a normal part of the life of prayer. Very important there. Let me pause there. I think often, depending on who you are, we view the Christian life as something to do right, as something to get right. And when we don't practice it or when we don't feel anything, get anything out of it, we can feel guilt, shame, frustrated, afraid. I love this type of contemplative practices because they are so human 
that when we're praying, we're going to think of all the horrible things. And in fact, it, 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 it gives room for that because it is honest with how we come to the cross, that we come to the cross with a bunch of negative feelings and thoughts and angers and frustrations and lusts and desires and temptations. And, and I'm not talking about you're going to go and steal money from the bank. I'm just talking about rudimentary stuff. Just the things that you and I suppress that we're like, okay, I hope nobody noticed how I got so mad at that person or I, how I, I, I didn't uh, follow through on that commitment. All those baseline type of habits. I love this, these practices because they make room for that so that you can come honestly to the table of the Lord and he can, and you can find healing for all of your sins, all of our sins. So it says, but when we think we have attained a certain degree of skill in contemplation, we may find ourselves getting all kinds of strange ideas. <laughs> we may even cling to them with a fierce dedication, convinced that they are supernatural graces and signs of God's blessing upon our efforts, when in fact they simply show that one has gone off the right track and is perhaps in serious danger. This is so true. I mean, just yesterday I was making a deal with God. Or or I caught myself, maybe this is a better way, what, what bubbled up in me because of the stress that I was feeling driving, I don't know where I was coming from. I was making a deal with God unconsciously and it went like this okay lord have i not served you enough have i not been holy enough for you that this virus is still a problem why don't you protect me why would you no one is sick in my family but this is what was bubbling up which was inside of me right what why would you not take this away why are you letting me, again, victim mentality, right? Woe is me, bartering with God, somehow trying to find equilibrium with a holy God. But this is what we do, right? And I'm, and I'm telling you this not so you'd be like, oh, man, this guy's messed up. Or, oh, let me pray for you. That's, that's again, the our ego <laughs> talking. I, I share these things with you so that to give you an example of, of the subtlety of these habits that are so within us. And, and the point is to create community around our common experiences and to find grace, the grace of Jesus. Hello, Alvina. Welcome. So glad to have you. Yes, in Singapore, meaningful. Thank you so much, Alvina. Welcome. And so I was making this deal with God, like, Lord, have I not? And then I'm like, well, I guess I kind of was mad the other day. Yeah, well, I guess I really didn't read my Bible, you know, last week. And yeah, yeah I kind of did. Didn't really know what I was talking about on Sunday. You know, and, and I began to then find fault in my perfection. <laughs> you can see how futile, right, that whole practice is. Finally, I like, I snapped out of it. And this is what these tools do. They, they wake us up to these hidden measures that we, that we practice, that we think are that are our go-to tools to find peace with God that are not based on grace, that are based on action. Or as someone said, what was it they were saying? There we were, we're, we're feasting in self versus fasting from self. 
In other words, we are feasting in our own deadly sins. Unconsciously, we're saying, well, this is how I'm going to find love or peace or worth is by adding up all of my chips to see if I have done enough good deeds or good practices or goodness to deserve God's protection over me from this whole virus thing. How futile, right? So I snapped out of it and I thought, well, and I kind of laughed. I turned on a worship song and I just began to thank God for His grace. And I wasn't trying to make sense of my little deal. I destroyed it. I destroyed the whole construct. And this is where God has helped me to, to come to over 20 years of practicing these things. I don't go back to that and say, okay, well, let's see. How do I do that better? <laughs> Instead, I just blew it up. I destroy that whole way of thinking and I move to grace. And that has taken 20 years of trying to not stay in that place of bartering. That may not be your issue. It actually wasn't even an issue for me until, guess what? It's been dormant, right? Again, the hidden motivations of the heart. You know, how wicked the Bible says, you know, who, who, who will, who will, uh, what did Paul say? Who can, who can warn us from this deadly sin or who can prevent us or who can, um, I forget the exact phrase, but you know, who can save us from this body of death and destruction? I mean, we, like we don't even realize that we're in a mess. We're so asleep to our own deadly motivations. But these moments, such as yesterday, they suddenly, wow, why do I do that? And then you move to grace. And so that's what all these things, that's what he's talking about here in this particular chapter about just being good is, uh, is not enough. Number four, another reading here. It says this is called Guiding the Beginner. For this reason, humility and docile acceptance of sound advice are very necessary in the life of prayer. Though spiritual direction may not be necessary in the ordinary Christian life. And though a monk may be able to get along to some extent without it, many have to, <laughs> it becomes a mortal necessity, excuse me, a moral necessity for anyone who is trying to deepen his or her life of prayer. The spiritual director is someone who is capable of guiding the beginner in the ways of prayer and detecting any sign of misguided zeal and wrong-headed effort. Such a one should be listened to and obeyed, especially when the director cautions against cautions against the use of certain methods and practices which he sees to be out of place or harmful in a particular case, or when he declines to accept certain experiences as progress. So very similar to what I was just saying, right, about how our experiences sometimes deceive us. We will be, as I mentioned, in the car making deals with God. God, if I have served you so, so much, then you will protect me from this whole virus thing. Oh, okay, the reason why I'm, I'm okay is because, I mean, after all, I, I serve the poor. I help the kids. I, I do communion at church. I, I read my Bible. And so we have these unconscious practices. And his point here is that's where we all begin. 
until we find a spiritual director, and this is what I am, a spiritual guide. And all that means is that I've just been through what maybe you haven't been through, just a little bit, maybe just one step in front. Sometimes I'm next to you, sometimes I'm behind you, because it's about the Holy Spirit ultimately, not about the guide. But the guide or the director, if you trust him or her, and that's part of why I, I really believe in this idea of trust and of relationship between us, let's just say, or you and your director, you and your guide, you and your mentor, for a lot of us as our parents or a good friend or maybe a spiritual leader. When you ha once you have that trust, then you listen. I've been to spiritual directors for 20 years changed my life different than a preacher or a pastor or a, someone on the radio we're talking about a as i said a guided it's not therapy it's a guided conversation with a spiritual man who has been with god who has who sits with god so you trust back to trust you trust his his path and you see that reflected in his life although you're not even looking for okay is your are your kids well behaved that's not even the point that may well, well be and it should be but my point is you trust his the spirit of god in him and you see and you feel the honesty the vulnerability the weakness in that man and yet the power of god at work in his life in humility and grace and so once you find that individual i have had many and i am one of them now to others who who by the grace of god need me excuse me i just poke myself would like for me to offer guidance to them then once you find that person you have found a true a true friend and here's the thing about a true spiritual guide he guides you to jesus he points you to the cross he points you to the resurrection he points you to the grace of god he points you with intimacy and with passion to a faith that is real and yet grueling and yet murd in sorrow See, that's the beauty of, of the cross and of guidance. He, this, this mentor, this guide, this director is not pointing you towards money and success, nor is he pointing you towards sadness and depression, neither of which is the gospel, but he's pointing you to Christ, a walking with the Holy Spirit. And because we are, like he says, we're beginners and we have never been taught this, much less practiced it, but maybe we had someone friends or maybe uh someone a contemplative type who kind of like came across our screen our lives and we're like i kind of like that i kind of need that it's different than what what i've been fed for 30 50 20 years in church i love church i am a church person but these systems are corrupt you could say because again of the performance aspect of what church has become and the someone said it's we're the we now have we're, we've become the mcdonald's starbucks and burger king of church now it's just about drive-through consumer just give me an hour when you're at mcdonald's i mean can we be honest doesn't it taste delicious <laughs> when you go to starbucks isn't that delicious <laughs> right so it's not as if uh i've never been to mcdonald's <laughs> or Chick-fil-A, whatever, you know, your thing is. And so 
anyway, this is not about church per se. This is simply about the need for guidance and that we are all beginners in this. And I consider myself a beginner, even though I've been, <coughs> excuse me, doing this for 20 years, because that's how screwed up we are. There's that's how much junk is in here, and yet the Holy Spirit keeps bringing us back to these moments. A couple more uh, reflections here that he has. This is called resisting God. The right use of effort is determined by the indications of God's will and grace. When one is simply obeying God, a little effort goes a long way. When one is in fact resisting Him, though claiming to have no other intention than that of fulfilling His will, no amount of effort can produce a good result. On the contrary, the stubborn ability to go on resisting God in spite of ever clearer indications of his will is a sign that one is in great spiritual danger. Let me read that again. That was so powerful. On the contrary, the stubborn ability to go on resisting God in spite of ever clear indications of his will. <laughs> wow, does that sound like all of us? Is a sign that one is in great spiritual danger. What is he saying? Once you have heard the Holy Spirit, but, but because it's so foreign for us to act differently, now we are in almost like in, in conscious resistance to the Holy Spirit. We're resisting God consciously, like he calls it here. And we're in, we're in great spiritual danger. This happens daily. You hear the Holy Spirit calling you to talk to that friend, to forgive your enemy, to to button up your mouth and not lash out in anger. And yet you do it anyway because it's unconscious. That pathway has been so greased and you, you, you've been on that wide path so many times that not only is it easy, but you really think you're walking the narrow path. That's where he says, we have so disobeyed the, the Holy Spirit that we now are in great spiritual danger, he calls it. Quite often, continue reading here, we are not able to see this in ourselves. <laughs> That's what I was just saying, right? <clears throat> because there are such unconscious motivations. We're like, what? I've often joked that the best way for us to grow spiritually is to have someone take their iPhone and just record our lives for just an hour and once you get over oh how terrible i look and how fat i look all that stuff that we all do and you actually look at your face when when confronted with difficult situations your body language the your the the volume of your voice your eyes you know all these things that we cannot hide then you will be like, oh my goodness. I am such an angry person. I'm such a selfish woman. I'm such a prideful man. Now, what's the point of this? Self-mutilation and self... No, no, no. We're not about killing ourselves on a cross. I mean, Jesus already did this. This is back to his point here about realizing where we are resisting God because we live in this self-deceived life that we're good. <laughs> that's, that's why we need these tools is because we think we're awesome <laughs> or we think we're so terrible. Oh no, I'm always, you know, messing up. Both of which, as I said, are not the gospel. 
Contentment is the gospel, to live in union with Christ in spite of our fleshly desires, knowing that he knows our temptations. He knows that we are but dust, but being very aware of your dustiness, that's the word, versus being so blind to our dustiness or hypercritical of ourselves. Both are anathema. We need the grace of God. And so on the contrary, he says here, Okay, the work of the spiritual director consists not so much in teaching us a secret and infallible method of attaining to esoteric experiences, but in showing us how to recognize God's grace in his will, how to be humble and patient, how to develop insight into our own difficulties, and how to remove the main obstacles keeping us from becoming people of prayer and that's what we were just talking about right that's what i just mentioned that's what a spiritual director does it's not teaching you tricks but it's pointing you towards jesus but here's i think the uniqueness of a spiritual guide pointing you to christ in light of your behavior with a full understanding mostly your understanding of your own behavior and instead of allowing you to sink deep into despair or or to rise into hyper spirituality to actually encourage you to stay in that uncomfortable middle where you can truly find grace in light of your humanity that's true gospel Ooh. one more of these guided readings this one's called the tricks of the spiritual life these obstacles may have very deep roots in our character. And in fact, we may eventually learn that a whole lifetime will barely be sufficient for their removal. For example, many people who have a few natural gifts and a little ingenuity tend to imagine that they can quite easily learn by their own cleverness to master the methods one might say the tricks of the spiritual life. For all of you high achievers, this is our problem. All of you type A's, empaths, leaders, doers, creatives, if you're into the Enneagram, the threes, the fours, maybe the eights, this is for us that think, oh, I got this. Give me the assignment, I'm gonna get an A. <laughs> Speaking from experience again, the only trouble is that in the spiritual life, there are no tricks and no shortcuts. Those who imagine that they can discover spiritual gimmicks and put them to work for themselves usually ignore God's will and His grace. Wow, so true. They are self-confident and even self-complacent. Let me pause there. I think that self-confident and complacent are two very... They're similar things, but not. They're kind of like two sides to the same coin. When you are in your ego, in your pride about your spiritual life or about your active life, meaning you're such a good person, you help so many people, you become, as I call it, unconscious, or he calls it here self-complacent. It's like, I'm good. I help, and you begin to add up all your little chips, as I said, all of your good deeds. And that is like math. One plus one equals a thousand. You're like, I'm a good person, plus I help a ton of people, that equals a million. That means peace with God. 
And so what, what that does is you become self-complacent, meaning I'm good. I don't, I don't need to grow anymore. I don't need to change anything. I'm going to now just judge everyone else. Or the opposite is true. Self-confident, self-complacent, equally as dangerous. We can go underneath so deep. Have you met people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are still beating themselves up over things that they did 20 years ago? 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I mean, that's where this also goes sideways, as they say, where you haven't been able to allow the grace of God to be buoyant, to lift you, like Psalm 40 says, from that miry clay into that, into that firm rock that is Jesus Christ. We have to allow the grace of God to lift us into that place of contentment and walking with Jesus. And or to bring you down. That's why Obadiah is so powerful. Read that about if you're a prideful person or you, you don't think you are, but everyone else kind of tells you that you are. <laughs> Obadiah, it, it's very powerful. It says, I'm going to dash your pride against the rocks. Like an army would dash their enemy's children's heads against the stones. I mean, it is raw. That's how God views, especially, which is always unconscious pride. Now, let me just say one thing. You know how pride often masks itself? It's not in arrogance or in showing off your trophies. That's too easy. I mean, who would do that? You know how it mostly masks itself? Anybody want to guess? In service. In helping others. I know. <laughs> it's it, Pride hides behind helping other people being an empath being compassionate and guess what that's what we as people of faith do i'm not saying that everyone is filled with pride i'm just kind of revealing what you already know that behind that constant wanting to care for everyone and take care of your kids and take care of your grandkids and take care of your mom and your dad and and every child out there and every senior is a hidden motivation of pride. Look at how much I do and you're not doing. Look at how much I deserve and nobody cares about me. Look at all that I do for you and you do so little for me. There's this transaction that happens again. It's in the in the matrix, right? It's way deep inside, and yet it's so powerful because it's 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 the motivation of the compassionate type. And so that's where pride, as they say, it, it kind of lingers in the shadows of service and compassion. So this is important that we be self-aware of where pride actually resides, so that we can then say, Lord, forgive me, turn my pride into into true dependence upon you, not in my service to others. So they make up, it says here, their minds that they are going to attain to this or that and try to write their own ticket in the life of contemplation. <laughs> they may even appear to succeed to some extent, but certain systems of spirituality place great stress on a severe, no-nonsense style of direction that makes short work of this kind of confidence. One cannot begin to face the real difficulties of the life of prayer and meditation unless one is different. Where am I? 
unless one is first perfectly content to be a beginner and really experience himself as one who knows little or nothing and has a desperate need to learn the bare rudiments. Rudiments is like when you're a drummer, you know, you're just learning the basics. Those who think they know from the beginning will never, in fact, come to know anything. Well, there are a couple more readings, but I'm going to just uh, continue. I think we have our cup is full, isn't it? I mean, honestly, I could keep reading because we never get this anywhere. It's just not what our culture, our system, as the race conversations have really, I think, expressed such great, have given such clarity to what the problem with racism is. I think the same, not the same problem, but the same system is true of religion. And I call it religion because that's the system that we're in. The systems are not built for contemplation, for examine for self-awareness. They're built, as I said, for Burger King, <laughs> McDonald's, and Starbucks, for speed, efficiency, and to for, for quick, kind of animated, now animated, and uh, entertaining faith. <clears throat> we have to wake up to that. We have to unmask this habit that we've been in for 50 years. And I'm no advocate for going back to anything. Oh, back in the day. No, that's like racism. It's the same kind of mindset again. I'm not comparing the two. But it's like, let's go back to the good old days. Make America great again. I mean, we have to leave the sins of our past and the good of our past. Learn from our mistakes. And we have to move forward. The universe... God is a, I'm talking about the actual universe, not universe energy, is expanding. What does the Bible say? Lamentations 3. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. So we have to recreate spirituality, faith, these systems that we call church or service or action or compassion, and to start from the beginning with our lives in light of Christ, in light of Jesus, His Holy Spirit. So I could read this for years. And as I said, that's why these podcasts um, are hours long. And even though all these platforms don't like long-term content, this is what we need to be sitting with this stuff. So I'll read one more. This one's called Firmly Rooted in Life. Firmly Rooted in Life. Under the pretext, by the way, part of, I guess, the... Uh, you should just get this book, by the way. But now, part of the, I guess, the, the gift of this, first is that we have interaction. We have people here. You know, we have a few people here, one or two. So we have the possibility for, I don't know, just common listening. But at the same time, you get, in this case, me, for better or for worse, <laughs> commenting on these readings to just, I guess, further, as they call it, the conversation. So hopefully that's the value of this. So let me read this again. Firmly rooted. And I guess that's my way of explaining why I pause and reflect on things. Because uh, 
these things, they hit me and I want to then reflect maybe in a simpler or more complicated or sometimes in a just dumb way, <laughs> awkward way, confusing way. Sometimes I confuse the waters, but I'm trying to not do that and to bring you my life and mostly to bring you Jesus through these readings. So firmly rooted in life under the pretext that what is within in fact is real spiritual supernatural etc one cultivates neglect and contempt for the external as worldly sensual material and opposed to grace this is bad theology and bad ascetism ascetism means that you live with no external hang-ups you don't want to buy clothes you don't want to even use electricity you know ascetism is wanting to live simply <clears throat> denying this world basically <clears throat> in fact it is bad in every respect now let me just say one more thing as far as why i even dare to talk is because first i am in such need of the gospel second because 20 years of reading this i realize how much i need this and then third schooling has helped me to think analytically and yet to use my heart uh, seminary for eight years um, i would say mostly that was positive a lot of sad to say racism in seminary i experienced but that's besides the point but my credentials are really just that i need this and especially this year and so with that said thank you for being here once again so well uh, this is bad theology bad ascetism in fact oh it doesn't mean that i'm not wrong half the time so you have to know that <laughs> in fact it is bad in every respect because instead of accepting reality as it is we reject it in order to explore some perfect realm of abstract ideals which in fact has no reality at all very often the inertia and repugnance which characterize the so-called spiritual life of many christians could perhaps be cured by a simple respect for the concrete realities of everyday life for nature for the body for one's work one's friends surroundings etc a false supernaturalism which imagines that the supernatural is a kind of realm of abstract essence as, as plato imagined that is totally apart from and opposed to the concrete world of nature offers no real support to a genuine life of meditation and prayer meditation has no point unless it is firmly rooted in life powerful in some ways summarizes what we've been talking about psalm 39 this is so beautiful let me read this psalm here from the scriptures the holy word of god psalm 39 if you have your bible or you can just listen along this is talking about the vanity of life this is for the choir director jedathan a psalm of david the word of the lord i said i will guard my ways that i may not sin with my tongue I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle, while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent, I refrained even from good. 
and my sorrow grew worse, and my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Selah. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I have become mute. I do not open my mouth because it is you who have done it. Remove your plague from me. Wow, that's a timely verse, huh? Remove your plague from me. Yes, Lord, remove this plague from this world, Lord Jesus. Because of the opposition of your hand, I am perishing. With reproofs, you chasten a man for iniquity. You consume as a moth what is precious to him. Surely every man is a mere breath. Selah. Selah, by the way, as you've maybe read in the scriptures, it's an unknown word. It means either praise or silent, silence. So I often just read the context and if it's a praise you, Lord, then I just praise God. When it says Selah, if it's a more contemplative, reflective passage, then I just pause. Verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my fears. Tears, excuse me. Tears, rather. I'm trying to say rather instead of excuse me. That's what the pros say, rather. Do not be silent at my tears, rather. <laughs> For I am a stranger with you, a sojourner like all my fathers. Turn your gaze away from me, that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oof. Wow. We're an hour and 15 in, and I literally feel like I just started, and I need another five hours of this. I don't know how you feel, but this is just too, not only is it too good, but it's too much of what we lack and need so desperately. Let me give you a few uh, reflection questions. This is now for all of our doers out there, all of our practical types. So some reflection questions. Describe your previous experiences with prayer. I'll read a couple more here. Merton thought that Psalm 39, which, which we just read, was a good example of how our life before God can become quote, a kind of descent into our own nothingness, a recognition of helplessness, frustration, infidelity, confusion, and ignorance. Have you ever experienced a feeling of helplessness? Thank you, my brother Bobby, but you're actually coming in very low in balance. Okay, thank you so much, my dear brother. I think I'm good just watching my meter here in terms of volume. 
but I will maybe project a little more. That might be part of the issue. But thank you, my brother. So leave me a comment below, anybody else. If I am indeed, if my volume is too low, please let me know. On my meter here, I have this meter. It's showing that I am at 100%, but please let me know. Uh, let's see. So back to Merton. So he says, a kind of descent into our own nothingness, a recognition of helplessness, frustration, infidelity, confusion, ignorance. Have you ever experienced a feeling of helplessness and frustration in your spiritual life? Good on my end. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Okay. So just check, my dear brother, Bobby, if maybe uh, it's your phone or something like that. Yeah, as I said, my meters, I have all this, quote, fancy gear. And it shows me that I'm at 100%. But uh, Have you ever experienced a feeling of helplessness and frustration in your spiritual life? Describe. And then one more reflection question. Effort and exertion in the spiritual life, Merton believes, are helpful only if we are being led by God. That's so true, huh? Led by God. And we know when God is in it. And we know when it's our ego trying to do it all if we are in fact resisting god's leading no amount of effort can produce a good result volumes fine just found out my grand my grandson made a cut in my headphone cord <laughs> how does that happen to us all <laughs> ghost of bell right there that's a ghost of moment right there my brother <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, I'm always going off on these tangents. The other day, you know, this is Ghost on TV, by the way, so we have to have fun. I think it was like, I don't know, years ago, <clears throat> I was like yelling at, at uh, the neighbor's dog. I was having one of those very spiritual moments. <laughs> of course, it was just yelling in my own thoughts or in the privacy of my own house, thinking, man, that dumb dog, our neighbor's dog is such a loud dog. My dog is so nice. I go out there. It was my dog that was yelling and barking and tearing down the fence. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. We are so blind sometimes. <laughs> So the question is, is it your dog or is it the neighbor's dog that's causing the, the havoc? So no amount of effort can produce a good result. <coughs> if Thomas Merton were your spiritual director and heard you share your present practices, would he describe you as one who is led or as one who is still trying to lead? Wow. Oof. See why these podcasts really need to last three hours. I mean, literally, this is just maybe the morning, I don't know, coffee. I would want to sit here with you and work on these together, really, without a doubt. And this is, I think, the, the beauty of this whole mess is the space that we have. And someone said, the only good part of how long this is taking is that we can actually change our habits because it takes forever to change habits and i totally agree so i would sit with us here and write them out and i'm not really big into discussion per se because then it just kind of gets everywhere we've all been in those rooms right where but i think at least to kind of like do this live with you as a way to model 
And uh, I do like the one-on-one. So maybe something that I'm, I'm hoping, I was talking about this yesterday, something that I, you tell me if this is something that you would like, is to go from here to a Zoom meeting where it is more of a two or three people working together on these topics. And so to use these lives, even though they're an hour or two hour long, which I love and we need, really as a platform, as a jumping place, jumping off ground, whatever, as a, what's the phrase, as a jumping off place, platform, to something more intimate, intimate is the right word, but something more maybe uh, specific, more direct. So that might be uh, something that we do here. I've been thinking about that. And I think actually we should do it. I'm not just thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I think just once we get enough of a, quote, tribe here, you know, meaning people that are like-minded and want this, then I think we'll we'll go and use this as a launching pad. Maybe that's what I was trying to say. Uh, reflection, to wrap this up. Not that I want to, but I don't know. I'm constantly pleased at how applicable Merton's writings are to the non-monastic world in which most of us live. Non-monastic means uh, alone. It means uh, solitude. It means to, to be apart from. And so a monastery is a place where people are separated from the world. I love how he, his comment here is that Merton's exercises talk about the non-monastic life, meaning stress, viruses, bills, haircuts, you know, real life, church, blah, blah, blah. And so I agree with him. He says, I love how applicable Merton's writings are to the non-monastic world in which most of us live. The guidance he gives on meditative prayer is a practical, is practical and bite-sized. It is something I can actually do in the difficulties to which he alludes describe where I have been. I am glad for this because prayer is one of those areas where we need all the help we can get. With prayer, we are entering holy ground and we simply must confess our poverty of spirit. No single denomination, church, or group of people contains so much of the truth on this matter that it can succeed while isolating itself from the rest of the Christian community. We need the wealth of experiences and hard-won insights of all who are seeking to follow Christ and become his friends. So here's an exercise that you may want to practice. I'll give you a couple here from this book. Number one, set aside 15 minutes a day for solitude and meditation. Relax from strain and stress and simply rest in God's presence. In many ways, this is the goal of this podcast. That's why it's an hour or two hours long, is to give you that space, two hours of contemplation. So I would consider this that. Now, if you feel like you want to go further, of course, these 15 minutes, I think, is a very good thing. I would actually extend that to 50 minutes, 5-0, again, because of the opportunity before us. Number two, Merton believes that we need to cultivate an attitude in our life before God. He lists eight attitudes that unite us to God. Faith, openness, attention, reverence, expectation, supplication, trust, and joy. During your times of reflection, choose one of these attitudes 
and nurture it by concentrating on offering short, simple prayers. For example, in faith, simply say, Lord, I believe in you. I know that you can do all things. Let's practice that. Maybe say it with me or type it in the comments. Lord, repeat after me. Lord, I believe in you. I know that you can do all things. One more time. Lord, I believe in you. I know that you can do all things. Glory to God. One more. The psalmist pledges, quote, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will keep a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. Make a similar pledge by going through a portion of the day in silence. <laughs> Woo! Tough for some of us talkers, right? Silence will free you from the compulsion to control others. Wow. Well, I'm telling you, if Joe Rogan can go three hours, we can go four. <laughs> We've been here for an hour and a half. If you have been in here from the beginning, thank you. Thank you to yourself for uh, the contemplative practice, right? The beginning better than watching a movie or scrolling through that devil worshiping facebook right <laughs> listen to the podcast it really is the best way to practice now if this works for you then thank you and keep whatever works as long as you can center your mind maybe just say i'm going to spend two hours with god not with me not with books but with god it's just these are just tools i'm just a tool just a servant and you are a servant and tool but together we can be tools in the hands of god as i think it was aquinas who said that right we are just uh, mother Teresa said we're just a pencil in the lord's hands and so that's what we are we're just pencils writing the story of jesus but through our story so hang out with us i am going to try to be here every morning at 8 a.m pacific here in the uh, la area long beach california i know for those of you in singapore Thank you so much, my dear um, Alvina. I believe it's almost 1 a.m. in Singapore, and, and I think you're still here. So God's grace to you and to all of your followers. I guess it's a good way to go to sleep, right, and to rest in the evening. So um, listen to my podcast. It's the best way. You don't have to look at my beautiful face. <laughs> you can just listen. I put on my earphones, my earbuds, you know, AirPods or whatever. And at night, I listen to some of my favorite content. No, I do not listen to myself, but, well, I do sometimes. <laughs> and it's a great way to go to bed or wake up in the morning. And you can do that while you do your stuff. Podcasts, really. DavidTrigg.com. DavidTrigg.com. You can just click on podcast. There's a link there. You can download whatever app you have on your phone. And my podcast will be there. And all these meditations are there, plus a ton of other. I have over almost 500 episodes. I've been doing, I've been podcasting since about, I don't know, 20 years ago. Really, when all this began in me, in my late 20s, I'm 31. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's when I began podcasting. And now it's so popular. That's why I'm still there. This is the first time. 
in my whole time, I true I tune into such great Christian learning, Bible sharing, reinforce my faith. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I don't take any credit in that. Beautiful in that we're listening to the Holy Spirit. I could be asleep. I could be working out. I could be stressing out over a million things that I have to do. But by the grace of God, I listen today. Pray that we all listen every day, twice a day, heck, all day long. But what a wonderful thing, right? To learn about Jesus, Bible sharing, reinforce my faith. Yeah. And if that is Alvina, again, on this software line says Facebook user, you guys have to know that it's almost 1 a.m. in Singapore. And yet, when the Spirit says, go, then we go, right? And so, God's grace to you, my dear friends. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Pray for me that I keep on this. A million things get in the way of me doing this. Mostly my own my own uh, vice of wanting to do more instead of wanting to be more and so uh, and I'm sure the same is for you right? a million things will come up don't feel bad if you may skip I mean, grace uh, we have <laughs> six more months to practice I mean this thing is not going away so give yourself time and space June, July, August we have six more months to not get this right, it's what Martin just talking about, but to practice these new habits or maybe old habits that we need to bring back. Share this broadcast. Tag your friends. The whole world needs this. Don't you agree? Goso Nation. Share this broadcast wherever you're watching me. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, my website, my podcast. Listen to my podcast. Leave me a five-star review. Why? Because then the apps will actually show my podcast to more people so that more people can benefit from this beautiful content. Thanks so much for being here. Leave a comment below. Share this Facebook message, this to everyone. WhatsApp, this to everyone. Thank you for listening to The David Trigg Show. Find the complete archive at davidtrigg.com or subscribe for free through the podcast app on iTunes or Stitcher on Each week, we bring you a message of joy, success, and personal power in spite of fear, anxiety, and depression. Because as we like to say, though there's pain in the night, gozo comes in the morning.